This is the Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman. Brought to you by the Academy of Dental CPAs. Whether it's taxes, investing, or planning wisely, Art is your guide to make your dental practice as profitable as possible. Here's your host, Dental CPA, Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman, CPA, and I am Art Wiederman, CPA, and I am a proud member of the National Academy of Dental CPAs, which is 24 amazing CPA firms that specialize in working with dentists that represent over 9,000 dentists, and that's more than 5% of the dentists in the United States, and we're working to grow that. Uh, and today, we have a very interesting topic and a very important topic. And, um, you know, you you hear the words, is your office HIPAA compliant? And what I find when I talk to my doctors, because we have a checklist with our new clients, you know, we talk about HIPAA, uh, we talk about retirement plans, we talk about all these things. And here's what I always hear. I hear, uh, oh, I got HIPAA covered. I got a book. Uh, okay, you know, is it War and Peace? No, it's a, a book on HIPAA, and I I hired somebody, and, uh, and and they did it for me. I said, "Are you sure?" Well, I haven't had any problems, and um, so we're going to learn all about HIPAA compliance and all the problems you can get into um, if you are not HIPAA compliant uh, with our guest uh, Danielle McKinley, uh, and uh, she is an expert in this area. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you a little bit about Danielle right now, because we're going to launch into our topic on HIPAA and, you know, why should you care about HIPAA? Well, we're going to find out in a minute. Uh, Danielle also has some expertise in um, credit card processing, which goes along with HIPAA and privacy and all this kind of stuff. So my guest is Danielle McKinley. She's a certified HIPAA advisor with over 10 years of experience in risk management, focusing on HIPAA and PCI compliance. She's uh, happens to be a new mom. We'll chat about this in a moment. Who uh, she recently moved to Southern California, and she found the HIPAA chick. Uh, I don't have a feeling that has nothing to do with chickens or eggs or anything like that. We'll find out about that too. Uh, Danielle is also one of the founding members of the PCI HIPAA. Um, of PCI HIPAA and uh, the Active Director of Partner Relations. She's an expert on HIPAA compliance for healthcare practices and business associates who work with practices. And uh, what her passion is, is removing barriers like HIPAA compliance from healthcare providers so they can focus on what they do best without putting their business at risk. So, Danielle McKinley, welcome to the Art of Dental Finance. Well, hello, Art. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here, and I'm excited to simplify HIPAA compliance for your listeners today because HIPAA is quite the hot topic. It's very complicated, and there's a lot of information out there, so it can be tough to navigate, and I hope to to bring some simplicity to your your listeners today. Okay, so you understand you can't use big words with me, right? I got it. Okay. I'll do my best. Do your best. Okay, so you're a new mom. I understand that you have a, a beautiful baby boy who's uh, just under one year old, and I understand that he uh, just started uh, walking around. So tell us a little bit of what's about what's it like being a new mom? Oh, my goodness. It is one of the most exciting things I've ever experienced, the best decision I've ever made. And it's just so great to watch the world through a child's eyes. We really forget how much... Um, 
you know, how the world works. We, there's simple things that bring them so much joy that you stop and, and take a moment and, and pause more often. So it's been a really fun thing being a new mom. Until they memorize your credit card number, then you're up the creek without a paddle. That's how it works. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't work that way. Uh, I will tell you that uh, you know the amazing things of being a parent. Uh, my boys are 25 and 30 years old, so I'm I'm a little ahead of you. And um, uh, it, it is. I, I had two fears, Danielle, when I became a father. Number one was um, sleep deprivation, and I was fortunate with both my boys that lasted about six or seven weeks, and. Uh, fortunately, uh, you have a great husband. I have an amazing wife of 34 years, my wife, Lynn. And, you know, it's kind of a team effort. It takes a village. Uh, and the other was, uh, you know, that ends. And the other is financial. And I guess what you find out is your social life changes when you're a parent, isn't it? It most certainly does. You you tend to gravitate towards those who have children because they just understand. They understand sleep deprivation for one thing. That's right. Now, you told me you also like to do like adventurous stuff. Uh, you had an experience with wakeboarding. Tell us about that. Yeah, my my college girlfriends and I, we all get together once a year. We do an annual trip. And this year it was in Clearwater, Florida, of all places. And we decided to rent a boat and all of us tried wakeboarding for the first time. And it, it was really fun. That's very cool. Very cool. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to ask you to tell me what the HIPAA chick is. Uh, because I'm thinking that that's like a Rob Schneider movie, it sounds like, but maybe not. But before I do that, I want to give out some information, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, I want to thank you for making our podcast a, a smashing success. I'm not from Great Britain, so I said the word smashing. I'm sorry. Uh, a great success. We have um, listeners in 58 countries uh, all over the United States. We're getting phone calls from all over. People are hearing the podcast uh, if you want to get a hold of me, give me a call at 714-259-0505. Go on to our CPA firm website, hmwccpa.com. Go to the resources tab, then go to the podcast tab. You'll get to see all the podcasts that we've published, including the one that um, Danielle um, uh, is recording with me right now. And if you are looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, please go to the Academy of Dental CPAs website, www.adcpa.org. Go to the membership chart, find the dental CPA firm that is closest to your area and give them a call. You will not, I repeat, you will not regret it. All right. So, Danielle, again, this is not... Um, I don't remember. What was the movie with Rob Schneider, the the something chick? What was it called? I don't remember. It was a great movie. It was really funny. Um, but what is the HIPAA chick? Tell us about that. Yeah. So the HIPAA chick is something I recently started as a way for practices and business associates to follow me on social media like Instagram, Facebook, and just get tips and be able to interact with me directly to ask questions about HIPAA compliance. My passion is is really helping you have more time to do what you do best, which is treating your patients and growing your business. So if I can eliminate some barriers or help simplify navigating the HIPAA laws, that's what I want to do. And I'm using the HIPAA chick as a resource to do just that. There you go. So you want to look at look that up and we'll give you all Danielle's information later in the show. All right, Danielle, let's get into our topic. What is HIPAA? Let's start with that. You know, what what is this? And, and why should we care? 
Sure. So loaded, loaded first question there. Um, HIPAA is, it stands for the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. And it's all about protecting patient information. And originally when it started, it was about just protecting health history. But the way that we utilize technology now has created a ton of more risk. And you hear about data breaches and penalties and all of these different things that are occurring. And what it comes down to is hackers don't care about the health record. They don't care about the health history. What they're looking for is the identity profile that resides in a health record. So things like dates of birth, social security numbers, billing information, that's what's valuable. When resold on the black market, it's worth between $500 and $1,000 per record. And as a practice, your information is growing every single day. So you're becoming more and more valuable to these, these hackers and, and ransomware viruses. $500 to $1,000 per person? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, per, per record. Okay. Not a good retirement planning thing to get into this because I'm sure there's legalities about it. But uh, who who enforces this? Who who enforces HIPAA? Who is going to be coming down on you if you don't follow the rules? Sure. So Health and Human Services is the governing body that puts the HIPAA laws out there. And then the enforcement comes from Office for Civil Rights and the state attorney general. So there's federal laws that are nationwide. And then each state has its own set of requirements, which tend to be more stringent. So it's really important that you understand not just the federal requirements, but what is also required at your state level. And do do all the 50 states have different requirements or are they pretty similar? So they are pretty similar. I'll, I'll give an example. So for instance, with when there's a data breach, one of the requirements for the breach cleanup is that you put a call center in place for your patients to call in and ask questions about the incident. And nationwide, it's required to be in place for 60 days, where on the state level, sometimes they'll require like 120 days. And it, it doesn't have a huge range, 90 to 120 days. And you always work off of, again, whichever one is more stringent. Okay. So what, you know, our doctors, they especially our newer doctors, they've heard of HIPAA. They don't know the ramification. What, what are the leading causes um, of uh, HIPAA violations that a doctor might be worried about? Sure. So by far, the, the number one way that a HIPAA violation takes place is through human error. And that's why having something like staff training is so important because staff training isn't just a requirement that says, you know, go spend money and find someone to train your team. It's, it's yes to inform them about do's and don'ts, but it's also to protect yourself because you can't manage what everyone on your team is doing at all times from the steep penalties that come with noncompliance. So for sure, the, the, the starting point is making sure your team is aware of these do's and don'ts and not just having a, a conversation about what is okay and what isn't okay, but really having a structured formal annual training solution that will prove you've executed the way that health and human services requires so that if there is an incident, you're protected from the steep penalties that can come from it. So with that, you talk about training. So what's the, I mean, you know, a dental person in the front office is going to deal with this and they're saying, oh God, I got to learn the software. I got to learn Dentrix. I got to learn Eagle Softs. I got to learn how to do the phone. Now I got to learn this HIPAA thing. So 
is it is it that daunting? I and mean, what's the most important things that a front office person needs to focus on in doing their job and being compliant under HIPAA? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it all is, is pretty straightforward in terms of the do's and don'ts. And that's why a lot of practices think, oh, I've got this covered, like you said at the beginning. But when it comes down to proving that you've educated your team and, and helped them understand it, there's specific things to look for. So for the office manager who has been tasked with navigating compliance for your practice, in terms of training, they need to focus on content. You have to be able to reproduce the content you're using to educate your staff. Health and Human Services has to be able to verify that it's up to date and you're training them on things like, for instance, ransomware was recently added to the training requirements. In addition to that, they want to see some form of accountability because it's no secret HIPAA is not exciting. There's there's no excitement with HIPAA. So they want to see how did you measure that they really understood and, and digested the information. And then lastly, for your protection as the doctor, your your team needs to be signing off acknowledgement forms that they've been through training. They had the opportunity to ask questions. And there are some resources we can talk about at the end that we can recommend to help make that process really simple and, and not take up a lot of time for your team member. Okay, so it's not daunting and it's doable. And obviously, we can do it in every office and we need to do it in every office. So what's the difference or is there a difference between uh, HIPAA violations and a data breach? Yeah, there there definitely are. Um, so a, a HIPAA violation is typically going to be something that is smaller scale. So perhaps you're, you have a, a new team or the office is really busy that day and you forget to put away some patient information or a new billing change form that's not uploaded to the practice management software. That's a HIPAA violation. Or sending an email to a referring practice that you don't encrypt and it has sensitive information in it, be it health history or even just the patient's full name. That's going to be a HIPAA violation. So it may not get to health and human services desk or office for civil rights, but if there's a complaint made and they look into your practice through an investigation, that could result in a massive penalty. Now, a data breach is going to be where information is definitely exposed. So through ransomware, through a physical break-in, through an employee taking information and sharing it improperly. If you're backing up your information, say, on an external hard drive and that drive is stolen or a laptop is stolen where you're using that to access your Dentrix or your, your Patterson or Eaglesoft software, that would be an example of a data breach. So that that's why it's really important not only to have... Uh, the training of what you do, but also to have a really good dental IT person who understands all of this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So at PCI HIPAA, we actually partner with many dental-specific IT providers. And I know, Art, you've said on previous podcasts the importance of finding someone in a specialty. And that couldn't be more true for a practice when it comes to the technology side. So that's another area where I can be a resource to the listeners and helping them connect with someone if they don't have it already. Because if you're working with someone outside of healthcare, they don't understand the requirements under HIPAA as it relates to your technology. So if you don't have anyone, that's definitely a, a good first step to take is to find someone who is who is specific in technology as it relates to healthcare. 
So, Danielle, so what are some of the biggest mistakes that people make? Uh, obviously, the best thing they can do is hire you and your company to make sure they're in compliance. But I'm sure that uh, you know if you had 180,000 dentists' clients, uh, you might never see that beautiful baby boy of yours because you'd be too busy. But what what are the biggest mistakes that people make in trying to do this on their own? Are there actually people that try and do this on their own? Yeah, I would say majority of practices still today are trying to navigate this on their own. And the the number one mistake that I see practices make is doctors b- believe that their office manager can do all of this. And and like you mentioned earlier, they wear a lot of hats. They have to do a ton of things and and navigating the HIPAA laws is a full-time job in it of itself. So that's probably by far the number one mistake that I see is Doctors assuming that their practice manager is handling this for them and not really looking into it to make sure. Okay, so I've I've got a whole bunch of questions for you, but I want to just kind of talk in general. Tell us a little bit about your company and what you do. And a, a dentist says, you know, I'm really not sure that I'm HIPAA compliant and I just went to a seminar and 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 I heard Danielle on this podcast. So what do you guys do? How how do you protect people? What what does your company do? Yeah, sure. So we we really start by educating practices, and then um, if if someone needs our help, right, to navigate compliance, to put it really simply, we get practices compliant. We keep them compliant as the laws change. If something happens, we have their back through our incident response team, and then we financially protect them through a cyber and data breach insurance policy. So I talk to, I've talked to thousands of practices in my career, and they often go to these seminars, and a lot of good information is shared, but they leave scared or overwhelmed, and they're not sure what the first step they should take is. And that's why we provide a risk assessment as step one. A risk assessment is mandatory. It's something that everyone has to complete annually. If they're a practice, a business associate, that's step one. And that will really help you understand what your overall status is as it relates to the HIPAA laws. And we can help you understand where to go from there and put it in a a nice, concise, step-by-step outline so that you're not left feeling overwhelmed and you really understand what needs to be done to protect your practice. So as a CPA, I get people that say, oh, I'm just going to write this off because they don't have enough auditors. I've read that less than 1% of the people get audited. So how would someone get nailed on this stuff? In other words, do they have a bunch of uh, people who wear HIPAA hats that go around different cities and say, hi, I'm from HIPAA and I'm going to go ahead and uh, uh, take your firstborn child. Um, how does that work? I mean, are there a lot of investigators? How, how do you get nailed on this? Sure. So there's there's really three ways that you can start to see the HIPAA, HIPAA penalties take place. So one, enforcement is done through audits which as a CPA, you, you know that word audit, right? And that's, that's Health and Human Services way of policing it, so to speak. So there's desktop audits that happen via email where you'll be asked to provide, usually it's 10 items. And if you can't do so within the timeline that's requested of you, Office for Civil Rights knows that you're a non-compliant practice and there's likely to be some, some big ticket penalties coming from you. Secondly, is going to be an investigation. So investigations typically uh, take place because of a complaint. 
So perhaps you have a new employee or someone going through something that's having a hard day and they did something to upset a patient in your office. They can call Office for Civil Rights. They can also file a complaint online. And then a lot of times that's how an investigation is triggered. And then thirdly is through data breaches, which are happening at an alarming rate today and why Health and Human Services is tightening the the neck on enforcement. And you can look on hhs.gov or you can even Google HIPAA Wall of Shame. And it is a, a site uh, on hhs.gov that shows uh, almost in real time the number of breaches that are happening, the practice name, where they're located, the number of records that were exposed, and how it happened. So those are the the three ways that it's occurring today. Yeah, and if you if you want to look at HIPAA Wall of Shame, it's right next to Art Wiederman's Horrible Golf Shots Hall of Shame. It's right next to it, and you know mine is more entertaining, but. Uh, I'm sure some of Danielle's are unfortunately entertaining too. Um, so with all these vulnerabilities, uh, Danielle, how do you determine what your vulnerability? Again, I told you, I don't do big words. How are these vulnerabilities determined? Sure. So great job. Great, great job doing vulnerabilities. So vulnerabilities are determined by a risk assessment. So just like no one teaches you how to file your taxes in school, which is why you hire art, no one teaches you how to navigate the HIPAA laws either. So the first step is taking a risk assessment. That's going to help you understand where you're at, where you need to be. And, and we can help, you know, I can even do that personally to help you understand it. So Take a risk assessment. If you do nothing else, at least take that step to understand where you are. So, so to mitigate the risk, it's it's doing the health assessment. Is there anything else we have to do? There is. There's. There's. We don't have enough time to to discuss that. <laughs> well, talk fast. <laughs> so, no, there there is, and um, you can you need to have a HIPAA manual. Part one. So what it all comes down to is, can you prove that you've documented the policies and procedures? And that's how you prove you understand what's required of you. Number two, you need to have a training solution like we talked about earlier. So a formal training policy for your team. You need to have business associate agreements. You need to have PCI compliance. You need to plan for an incident so that you understand what is required of you when a ransomware attack happens. When there's an environmental issue, what are the requirements for you to get back up and running or to notify your patients? And knowing how to do all of this is how you avoid the penalties, which, by the way, are they, there's a wide range. They range anywhere from $100 to $1.5 million. So one incident can put a practice out of business. And the reason we created PCI HIPAA was to help practices avoid just that. I am good with numbers. You said $1.5 million. Uh, how do I get nailed with a, I got to hear this. How do I get nailed with a one and a half million dollar penalty? Tell me what I got to do. So to get nailed with a one and a half million dollar penalty, you need to be non-compliant, which most practices are. So when, when an incident happens, when you get to that level or, and you can go beyond it as well, when you get to that level, you're a non-compliant practice and you're also experiencing the cost of cleaning up the incident. So notifying your patients, providing identity theft monitoring and insurance, which a lot of 
doctors aren't aware is something they're required to do for a minimum of one year. So we'll help you understand what those specifics are, but more importantly, we can provide you with a a team of responders who can execute those steps and help you avoid getting any of those penalties altogether. So I guess what you're saying is if the federal government wants to get rid of that $21, $22 trillion debt, they should just hire like a thousand HIPAA investigators and nail everybody with million and a half dollar penalties and then we'll be out of debt, right? I'm not going to endorse that. <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. So, all right. So, Danielle, what, um, before we go much further, I want you to give out your information. Obviously, folks, um, you know, it, it's just such an honor to interview people that are much smarter than I am. And that's why we do this to, to learn. And uh, I mean, I've, uh, Danielle has, has been, uh, has presented a couple of times in front of our Academy of Dental CPA meeting. I think I met you. I think I met you when you were pregnant with your son in Boston, I think it was. And, um, and, and you, you actually came into our office and talked to us. And so she is an absolute wealth of knowledge. So uh, folks, I don't care if you think you're HIPAA compliant, okay? I, I really don't care because you're probably not. Uh, and, and and Danielle will come in and give you a, an assessment, and she might just say, you know what? You're working with a good company. Keep doing what you're doing. You're fine. But most times, she's probably going to point something out to you. And uh, boy, I, I certainly don't want to be on the other end of a phone call with the federal government assessing a $1.5 million penalty. So Danielle... Uh, Please give out your contact information if you guys have any questions. Uh, with all my guests, you have no obligation to, to to work with her, but she is an absolute wealth of knowledge. And if you're not working with her company, you should. So give out your your information, Danielle, please. Yeah, sure. And and thank you for that. And yeah, just to add to it, I, I am happy to answer any questions again with no obligation of of working with me. So you can reach me by phone at 480-343. 3034 or by email, which is dmckinley at pcihippa.com. And that's D-M-C-K-I-N-L-E-Y at P-C-I-H-I-P-A-A.com. You can also visit our website at www.pcihippa.com. And again, that's a lot of letters, folks. And I, uh, if you haven't written them all down, don't worry about it because um, if you um, go to our website again, www, more www, www.hmwccpa, go to the um, resources link, go to podcast. Danielle's information will be there. Um, her show will be up in early September when we do that. And, and please promise me that you're going to do this because, I mean, you guys all work, ladies and gentlemen, you work so hard and you learn so much. And unfortunately, our life is so much more complicated. You've got, you've got, uh, you know, uh, HR issues. You've got employee issues. You've got HIPAA. You've got OSHA. You've got all kinds of stuff. And you know, it, it's so easy to get nailed, and it's so easy to avoid it. So please give her a call. And again, I, I get nothing from endorsing anybody that comes on my show. I really don't. Um, all right. So, what happens if we have a breach, Danielle? What do we do? Well, if you have a breach, I usually like to ask, who would you call? And most doctors tell me they'd call their IT person. 
And sure, that would be the case. You know, they would come in and, and help you restore your network and get back up and running. But if you experience a breach, no one else is responsible for the breach notification laws except for you. And those laws are complicated. And I'll, I'll walk you through a few pieces just to give you an idea. Step one, you have to report the incident. So you have to document internally what's happened and what you're going to do to address it. The next step, if it's an exposure of information, would be to hire a forensic investigator. And that's usually a starting cost of about $20,000. Their job is to come in, tell you what patients were affected, and therefore who needs to be notified. Then by law, you're required to notify each patient formally in writing as well as the Department of Health and Human Services. And if the incident's over 500 records, which is common, then you also have to notify your local media. We talked about the call center earlier. You have to set that up. Minimum number of days would be 60. Provide things like identity theft monitoring and insurance. And um, there's there's other steps that that go beyond that, but those are the core And you're looking at typically an average for a small to mid-sized practice, anywhere from 150 to 200,000 as the cleanup expense. Yikes. 150 to $200,000. So, so, okay. So, you know, we, we, we have the breach and, you know, what happens if we really tried hard and we have the breach and they get audited, um, I mean, is it, do people mostly know that they've had a breach or does it come as a surprise? Mostly they know. Uh, there are definitely cases where it comes as a surprise. And if, if you're a compliant practice, look, you're, you're not going to get the penalties we talked about earlier. So by becoming compliant, you remove the risk of the hundred to $1.5 million range. What you would be responsible for is the cleanup expense we just discussed. And that's why it's more important than ever in today's world to have a cyber and data breach insurance policy. And what most doctors we speak to aren't aware of is this isn't something that comes in your general liability or malpractice policy. It's never going to be included. If you have the coverage, you will be paying for either a writer policy or an umbrella policy through your GL or your malpractice, or you would have had to purchase a standalone policy. So another thing that you could do very quickly is look into that because that is what protects you financially from the cleanup expense, which was the 150 to 200,000 we talked about. How expensive is this insurance that we have to buy? That's a great question. So it ranges. Um, It ranges from provider to provider. And a lot of the standalone insurance companies will base it on your number of locations, the size of your practice, the number of employees you have, because they're looking at the amount of data you have. Now, um, what we see most common for a, a a comparable policy that's going to get you the kind of protection you need, it usually breaks down to $150 to $250 a month. And that's that's what we see on average. That is very cheap compared to $1.5 million. So do these fines only apply to dental and medical providers or do they provide, uh, apply to others? So they used to only provide, uh, only apply to dental or medical or, or healthcare practices, but Health and Human Services has passed new requirements for 
business associate agreements, which as you know, we've talked about, you're a business associate. So business associates now have a, a responsibility to protect information that they come across when working with a healthcare practice. So we we also help, as you know, with within the ADCPA, that's something we do to help business associates as well. So it's healthcare practices and then business associates. So pretty much anybody that's got data that the bad guys can get, right? That's right. Yeah, and and we CPAs, I mean, I, I tell you what, it's 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 kind of scary. I'm I'm very fortunate that we're part of a firm. We have about 90 people in the firm and we do a bunch of different things and we have a two full-time IT people and and um uh they they've got that place locked down better than Fort Knox and and I know they've been dealing with that. I'm going to actually send this interview to our uh, head IT guy. So, um What's a business associate? A business associate is going to be any third-party vendor that is working with a healthcare practice that could access patient health information or is accessing it for whatever reason because of the nature of business that takes place. So if you're a third-party vendor, I'll, I'll just give some examples. So for practices, your IT provider, your practice management software solution, any uh, appointment setting companies, collection agencies, accountants, not always, but most of the time your accountant will be. Those would be some examples. And that's something else, you know, that's a common question that my followers will reach out to me is, hey, can you help me define my business associate list? And I'd be happy to do that. So so does that mean, Danielle, that, that, okay, so, and I'm assuming a payroll company, obviously, also. So I'm working with a payroll service. Do I, how does this work? Do I have to have a business associate agreement? And is it my responsibility to make, you know, Art Wiederman, HMWC, or ADP or Paychex sign this? Wh- whose responsibility is it to get that business associate agreement signed? That is a great question and a very common misconception that we encounter when working with practices. So both parties have to have an agreement for a healthcare practice or a covered entity. You need to list out and have a log of who your third-party vendors are that qualify as a business associate. Then you need to have a custom agreement with each one. You also need to be able to prove when you created that agreement, when it was sent, and then whether or not it's been signed. So as a covered entity, if you can do those steps, you're now protected if one of your third-party vendors has an accident or error that causes a breach at your practice. For a business associate, You're required to have your own agreement and to share that with any healthcare practices that you're working with. Now, if there's a mutual exchange, both both entities are protected. And they teach this in dental school, right? We all wish. (laughs) Don't we wish. Okay, so we're going to talk about EHR and PMS claims. Uh, They're HIPAA compliant. Talk about, is that enough? Talk about these EHR and PMS claims that we have to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. So again, another common thing we encounter is the the word HIPAA is out there in so many different ways. And practice management software providers, EMRs, EHRs, they have to be compliant in order to provide that type of service through their software. But them being compliant doesn't mean that the user is compliant. So we find that that doctors say, well, you know, I use Dentrix and they're compliant, so I'm compliant. 
And that couldn't be further from the truth because Dentrix isn't responsible for writing your HIPAA manual or training your employees. So it's really important to understand that HIPAA, it really is broken into three categories. There's administrative requirements, technical requirements, and physical controls. And those are the the three areas that a practice and the practice owner is responsible for navigating. So just know that, you know, if you're using Dentrix or EagleSoft or PracticeWorks or SoftDent, those are some of the very common ones. Them being compliant doesn't mean that your office is compliant. Okay. I mean, that that's very, very important. What about somebody who's buying or selling a practice? Do they have to do anything to, to get ready uh, on HIPAA compliance if we're doing that? Yeah, most definitely. They, you know, the the more compliant you can show you are, the more attractive you are to the buyer because that means your 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 buyer has less to clean up and they also know that there's some protection measures that have been in place because when you sell your practice, you you also want to make sure that if you are using a personal laptop to log into your practice management software, if you were storing any x-rays or any information whatsoever, you want to make sure you're going through and, and wiping that clean because if a, if your laptop is stolen after you've sold the practice, you're still responsible for the HIPAA violation. So like with malpractice, is there any kind of tail insurance that a dentist has to buy once they've sold their practice to cover from something like that? Like, you know, two years later, I had some names I forgot to erase from my laptop and it gets stolen and it's compromised. And the next thing you know, you're getting a phone call from authorities. Yeah. So there, there certainly are, are measures that can be taken and I'm not a licensed insurance agent, so I can't speak to the specifics of it, but that's definitely something we can help practices with or explore further with the right expert on that specific topic. So again, you know, we could spend days on HIPAA and I've, I've looked at HIPAA manuals and they're very complex. And again, you got to work with an expert, someone who does this with how many dental practices have you worked with, Danielle? So at PCI HIPAA, we currently service 4,000 practices and we're growing at a rate of between 100 and 150 new practices each month. And personally, I've consulted thousands of practices in my career. And, you know, we just, we just want to help practices at least understand where they should start, whether that's with us or not. The, the financial risk is just too large to take on as a, a private single practice owner office. Okay, let, let, let's switch gears a little bit. And I know that you also have a background in the payment industry, meaning credit card payments and things like that. And I, I know that, that the credit card industry, uh, you work closely with, I, I know we've had Ryan Began talk in our, our meetings and he, he's awesome. Uh, also really fun on a golf course. I was in a golf cart with him for 18 holes one time. He, and I know you guys work together on, on that. So how does the HIPAA compliance work with payment, um, uh, credit card payment processing? Cause every dental office, I mean, I don't know of any dental office that doesn't accept credit cards. How do they go together? Yeah. So. Uh, the the less fun version is what we'll start with, right? So they they go together because if there's a credit card breach at your practice, because Health and Human Services expanded the scope of what HIPAA protects, a credit card number is considered patient identifiable. So as a healthcare practice accepting credit cards, if you have a breach, it can also be deemed a HIPAA violation. So that's the the first way that the two are intertwined and, and the less fun way. The second is that as a healthcare practice, 
Uh, you can qualify for specific rates and discounted pricing, and a lot of providers aren't honoring those or or giving you any of those discounts. So we will look at a, a practice's merchant statement and we'll look for two things. One, are you being charged a non-compliance fee? And this is something any of the listeners can go and look at right now. You can pull a monthly merchant statement and in the, the monthly fees section, usually on the last page, if you see a non-receipt of PCI, a PCI compliance fee, they'll call it a regulatory fee, um, a security fee. They really try and disguise what that, that fee is because it's pure profit for the provider. And it's usually in the range of between $19 and $29 per month. So one of the things that we help on the payment side is we help you become PCI compliant first and foremost. So that will help you eliminate that fee. And then we'll do an assessment of the rates and fees that you're paying. And a lot of times we're able to uncover a good amount of savings, as I know many of the ADCPA members and even yourself have experienced with Ryan. There, There's a huge savings to be had, and that's something that you should be looking at, in our opinion, annually to make sure that you're not being overcharged. And that's often an area in the practice where excessive fees can be eliminated to pay for things like a cyber insurance policy. So, so you're saying that the P, so the PCI fee, I look at my, uh, and it, it's American Express, Visa, Discover, all these cards. So if I take Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, that's four cards, could I be getting charged the 19 to $29 per month on each one of these cards? Great question. No. So it's just going to be overall for your merchant account. Now, if you're a multi-location practice and you have multiple merchant ID numbers, then yes, you could be getting charged per location, the PCI fee, but it's not going to be per um, card type. Okay. So it's, so, but still, I mean, again, numbers, that's what I do. 25 bucks a month times 12 months is $300. The the fee did, did I hear you right by saying the fee for your services is somewhere in the one fifty a month or am I hearing it right or am I dreaming here? You're just you're thinking of uh, the average cost for an insurance policy um, for our program for the for a full compliance solution for your users it's one ninety nine we normally charge two forty nine and that's per year or per month that would be per month and that includes the HIPAA manual, the staff training, the business associate agreements, all the documentation is built and backed by attorneys. It includes an insurance policy through Lloyd's of London, an incident response team, remote consultant, everything that you need all in one place to address your needs. So again, if if I'm looking at my credit cards and I can save 300 bucks, I'm saving almost two months of your fees right up front, right? Yeah, and we find on average in that, and there's other areas we'll look at, um, like email encryption and data backup, for instance, come with our program. We'll look at what you're paying for that if you already have the services. But specifically to credit cards, on average, we find between $100 and $150 a month, which almost covers the cost of the program. You're talking about all the different fees that the doctors are getting charged that they have no clue about. So, so if I have a doctor that says, oh, well, I, I've got the best credit card fees, and I hear that all the freaking time. I've got the best credit card fees. I'm covered here. What you're telling me is you can, you can actually pay for the cost of your service 
which is sleeping at night. And I keep, I'm now going to have night. You understand I'm now going to have nightmares about million and a half dollar fines. Okay. I'm going to have to offer up one of my adult children for that. And I don't even, what's that? We'll get you some wine. Yeah. Wine does solve lots of problems. Doesn't it, Danielle? I mean, it really does. I mean, I I said, I was a, I just, I just celebrated my 60th birthday and we were on a, uh, we were on a cruise boat, the the uncruise. And again, I don't get anything to market this, but best thing about that is that all the wine and beer and drinks are inc- included. And it is amazing how relaxed you can get. I, I didn't think about HIPAA once while I was on that cruise. Well, I sure hope not. <laughs> well, listen, you have been an absolute wealth uh, of information. I'm sure we could go into details, but I think you've given us a lot of information regarding HIPAA and why it is so important. And and it's it it's it's something, folks, that you just if you think you're covered, you're probably not. So just give give Danielle a call. Is there anything, Danielle, anything else you wanted to talk about regarding all of this or maybe the interaction with the credit cards? You know, no, I think um the the big thing for me when I put it into perspective is I have, I'm a new mom, right? So I have a pediatrician. I have a dentist for my son. I have personally my skin doctor, my OBGYN. My information is out there in a lot of places and I want my providers to protect it just like anyone else would. So when I, when you take it down to the human level, it's, it's really about protecting the information and doing right by your patients. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do is because not only do we protect something that a doctor works so hard to accomplish, but we're also helping them protect each of their valuable patients. That that's right. And um, again, you guys work so hard at what you do and this is so easy to get now again, Nightmares. I'm going to have nightmares. This is really bad. Um, One more time, Danielle. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Why don't you go ahead and give out your information for any of our listeners? In fact, if I'm reading what you gave me right, uh, you might have a limited time offer for our listeners. So why don't you go, before you give out your information, what's the limited time offer? Does it include a bottle of wine or not? You know, maybe I can spring for that for the first 10 that respond. We can sign them up for one of your subscriptions you to your go. wine service. Um, no, but we would love to offer a, a, something to your listeners. And that would be the first step, which is the risk assessment we've talked about so much. So a risk assessment and a review typically run about $700. And we'd like to offer that to all of the listeners for the next 30 days. And um, you'll take the risk assessment. It takes 10 to 15 minutes. It'll give you that definitive, this is where I'm at. I'll even personally meet with you to help you understand what that, what the results mean or answer any questions that you might have. And to get the risk assessment, you can go to www.pcihippa.com backslash art show. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. And I'll spell that just in case, because if... You know, most people spell HIPAA with two P's. So if I had a nickel for every time that happened, I'd be a very wealthy woman. So PCI HIPAA is P-C-I-H-I-P-A-A dot com backslash art show. Art show. I like that. Well, you have to understand that I'm someone who, when I was born, I was born, well, August 14th, 1959, same date as Steve Martin and Magic Johnson. We all turned 60 uh, a little while ago. Uh, the state of New York misspelled my name. 
They spelled it W-E-I-D-E-R-M-A-N, as do many people these days. And I always get called Dr. Wiederman. So uh, thank you for that wonderful offer, folks. If you just give give you know give Daniel a call, send me an email at artwiederman at gmail.com, and we'll get you the risk assessment. And uh, like I say, uh, Danielle, thank you so much. You are an absolute, every time I hear you, my head explodes, but it's a wealth of information. It's wonderful stuff. You're providing a great service to the dental profession. And folks, please give her a call if you are, I mean, again, even if you think that you're HIPAA compliant, uh, it's like insurance. It doesn't cost you anything. She'll take a look at what's going on. She'll give you advice. I mean, right there with the credit cards, that's going to save you a bunch of money. So, well, uh, last thing I want to tell you. So again, Danielle, thank you so much for spending the time with us today. We got, I think we covered everything. I think we sure did. Um, I'll give my number just one more time. My phone number is uh, 480-343-3034. And Art, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me over to your home, which is where we're recording today. And uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in and very much appreciate it. Well, again, yeah, one, one one of the great things that I've told you folks about doing this is I, I mean I don't do this for money I really don't I do this because I I have a passion uh, I've been in dentistry for thirty you know thirty five years uh, Labor Day uh, I have met so many wonderful people along the way Danielle being one of them I continue to meet great people I mean the people that work with profession the the professionals the attorneys the bankers the accountants I mean I, my friends are accountants I mean this is the ADCPA. Um, I mean, they're just wonderful and they, they just care about our doctors so much because you guys work so hard and we want to see you successful. So, uh, again, if you want to get a hold of me, I'm in Southern California, 714-259-0505. Uh, the website's www.hmwccpa.com. Uh, look us up. Uh, look up what we do. Look up the website uh, under resources, look under the podcasts. Uh, again, our podcast is, it, it, it's exploding. I mean, we're getting calls. I'm getting emails from people from all over the place and they have questions and they're liking what we do. And this is, this is great education, especially for, for you younger doctors. Um, if, uh, again, if you want to send me a question, you can call, like I say, 714-259-0505 or email me at artweederman at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a dental-specific CPA anywhere in the United States, uh, go to www.adcpa.org. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Please download the podcast. Tell your friends about the podcast. If you like what we're doing, send me an email. Tell me what you want to hear. Um, and thank you for all the all the time and all the people who have been listening. So my name is Art Wiederman. Our show is The Art of Dental Finance with Art Wiederman CPA. And that's it for today. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.